Amen. So take off the mask. And of course, I just threw the mask in there because it's October and Halloween and all that. I, I, really, I really can't stand this month because I don't like Halloween. I hate the commercials. Can I get an amen? I don't like anything scary. I don't, y'all know how I feel about clowns. I'm just thankful that the rest of the world knows they're demons. And I, I just, I just, I, I don't like the month, so I don't want to glorify anything scary or anything like that. However, I thought I'll talk about masks today, being that it's this time of the year. So a mask is a covering for all part of your face. It's a disguise or it's used to conceal. And it, it's a mask. You know, a physical mask typically is what somebody wears when they want to rob you or scare you or they don't want to be seen. They, don't, they want to be incognito, if you will. And you realize that a woman's face should never be covered. Can I get an amen? You notice I said a woman's face should never be covered. We should always have our face open to see. I mean, women, we have great expression with our face. Our faces communicate our attitude. Can I get an amen? Right, absolutely. Our face shows our emotions. Okay, come on. You can be quiet and not say a word, but your face can say it all. I always tell pastor when I meet men or women of God or I go to their church and the pastor's preaching and I see this, the woman of God, his wife, I just look at her face. <laughs> I can see it all. Is he fake, phony, or is he a real man of God? Praise the Lord. And even in real life, you can just look at someone's face and know because the face communicates. It's our primary source of emotions. Frequency of eye contact when you're talking to somebody and they're looking at you, it shows that they're friendly and that they're open. So when you're talking to somebody and they're giving you direct contact, that's a really good sign, a facial expression. Um, how about this? If, if someone's looking down while they're talking to you and looking down and looking away, that means that they're either bored with you or they're being dishonest. That's why we tell our kids, no, look me in the eye. Because if they start looking all here, praise the Lord. And then, of course, also, you know, if you have a downward gla- glance, like downward, you're being modest. Oh, you look so pretty today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, you're, you're being modest or you're being shy if you look down. And if you roll your eyes, that just means I'm just fatigued. Or in other words, I'm tired of you. Fatigue sounds better. When next time you roll your eyes, I'm just fatigued. You know, really, I'm just tired of the nonsense. Can I get an amen? So, so listen, our face matters. A face matters. Um, our, our eyes show happiness. Our, our lips show smile or frown. Our eyes show when we're angry or if we frown up, it's always up in here. But if we're wearing a mask, that means that we cannot communicate. And if we cannot communicate with others, that means that we don't bond relationships or form relationships. And if we don't have relationships with one another, we typically are struggling with our relationship with Jesus. So if you're one of those that wears a mask all the time and you cover your face and you don't want to connect, I wonder, is it that something's going on internally within you that's causing you not to connect with the king? I know where I am in my spiritual walk. The moment I want to walk around with sunglasses on, I'm not in a good spiritual place. Sunglasses are like the mask of Zorro. Can I get an amen? That I put them on, if I'm, especially if I'm inside. If you ever see me in a public place shopping or something, and I'm wearing sunglasses, come to me and say, Pastor Kelly, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it means that I'm trying to hide out. I'm not trying to hide from people. I'm just trying to hide out from anybody. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to connect with you. That's what it does because I'm trying to cover my face. 
So I want to talk about three things that masks do or three problems that masks cause when we wear a mask. And believe me, everybody in here wears a mask. Every single one of us wears a mask from time to time. And if we're not wearing one now, good. It's probably in your purse. But we're going to get rid of them in Jesus' name, okay? Wearing a mask, if you don't show your face, you, you can't show proper concern. And it does matter to the people of God. So, number one, mask, wearing a mask does not allow you to see properly. Very easy. Remember the mask you used to get when you were a little kid? Remember back in the day when they came and it was like a paper, like a paper plate cut out and a plastic little thing that if you move too much it ripped? Well, maybe it just ripped for me because it didn't fit always. <laughs> Remember those plastic ones? And, and that everybody had the same one, the little face and then the, you know, but those, those masks were dangerous, weren't they? Because you could not see. All you could see was from a little cutout. What? It was so dangerous when you're a child. Walking around in the street in the dark. Nobody has a flashlight. All of the costumes are dark, and we're wearing a mask where we can't even barely see. Begging for candy from strangers. Praise the Lord. So we're wearing the mask, but it doesn't allow you to see properly. Masks actually impede your view or impede your vision. Um, Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know that. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Or the people are unrestrained. And if you have an unrestrained or unrestricted life, it means that you are not able to decipher right between wrong. Vision is very, very important in our spiritual life. How about this? When there's a mask on, you have no peripheral vision. You can only see straight. And you know that's dangerous if you can't see from side to side, right? Um, you're not able to detect motion if you can only see straight ahead. If things are coming your way from the left or the right of you, you may not be able to see them. And if you can't see them, you become a woman of God that is not able to defend herself. Defend yourself or protect yourself to resist attack or injury or danger. If you're wearing a mask, you will not be able to see those things coming your way. So, number one, if you're wearing a mask, you can't see. Number two, if you're wearing a mask, you cannot, you cannot smell. You cannot smell. Amen? Let me go back to the seeing part here. You know the importance of Matthew 26 and 41. Remember, it says watch and pray. Back to seeing. Remember, watch and pray, right? How many of you know you shouldn't just pray, but you need to watch and pray? That's why you should pray with your eyes open sometimes, so you can watch and pray. And then it says, lest you enter into temptation. Lest is actually a warning word that says to vo avoid or risk temptation. Watch and pray so you can avoid the risk of temptation. And then it goes on and says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But if you're watching and praying, temptation will not overtake you. I'm going to say that again. If you're watching and praying, temptation will not overtake you. But do you see how the enemy would want us to keep our mask on our face so we don't see properly, so then we're not able to watch and pray? And if you're one of those that are always being overtaken with temptation, and everybody has different kinds of temptation, don't make it temptation of, you know, fornication. That's always the big one. There's little itty-bitty temptations. Just doing things that you know you should not be doing. You know, there's a scripture I've been reading all this week, studying for myself, because I'm really trying to get my, my, my life back on track in every area of my life. I'm finally on some new medication that's going to work in Jesus' name, right? 
And so I'm taking that, and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, i got to add the word. i got to work. Apparently, if you want to lose weight, you have to diet and exercise. <laughs> so I'm going to try that again. And so all day I'm reading James 4, 17. To, to know good and to not do good is sin. I've been meditating on that every day this week. To know good and not do good is sin. So when I want to do the wrong thing, I say that in my brain. To know good and not do good is sin. So that's my way that I'm watching against temptation. And in three days, I've lost three pounds. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to praise God for my three pounds, too. Because the Bible says, faithful over a few things. <laughs> no, really, I told, I told myself driving, I'm going to be faithful over my three pounds. Because the flesh is weak. Especially when you're driving home and you see a Taco Bell. The flesh is weak. But I'm going to avoid, I'm going to watch, watch the Taco Bell sign, pray against it. Keep on moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, so to see, to see, to see, to avoid the risk of attack. Okay, so moving on. A mask enables you or does not allow you to smell properly. You know, smell is important as a believer. Now, I'm not talking about in the physical. However, that is important. It's important to smell good, woman of God. Praise the Lord. Anyways, in the spiritual, we must make sure that we have a smell. Do you realize that God smells his children? 2 Corinthians 2 and 15, it says this, For we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. Second uh, Corinthians 2.15, we are the aroma or the fragrance. We are the pleasant, sweet smell. Our lives should smell sweet, not just to God, but to the people all around us. When you leave a place, people should still feel or smell your aroma. The presence should still be there. Someone should know that a woman of God was in this area right here. Amen. It should linger. The presence of God, the fragrance of God should linger. Did, did any of you guys ever have diffusers? Like, do you remember diffusers? I'm, I'm a, I love candles. I'm always burning candles. But one day I burned down a tree in my house, so I switched to diffusers for a moment. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's like an oil. It's oil in a jar, and they have these sticks and I, I, I never bought them because I didn't know how they worked, but someone explained it to me, and I thought it was fascinating because right away I thought of the Word of God, how we're the fragrance of Jesus Christ. So a diffuser works. It's a jar of oil, and there's reeds in the, in the oil, and the reeds soak up the oil and release the fragrance into the air. And I said, oh, God, we're, we're the reeds. We, the people, are the reeds, and Jesus is the oil. And as we soak in the oil, come on, we take up that fragrance and it comes off in the air and everyone's affected. But if you have a mask on, you're not able to smell properly. Do you realize that how we smell in Christ, it does not smell good to those that are perishing or those that are in sin or those people that don't know Jesus Christ? Remember before you were saved, you couldn't stand the saved people? Come on, remember they, they always were cheerful. They always had good news. They were always, you know, smiling. They, they, you try to tell a negative story, they would wipe it out with joy. I remember that. I remember not, not wanting to be around Christians because they were too happy. <laughs> it's because that fragrance, it doesn't mix. It doesn't mix. And you know what it does? It reminds those that are dying that we're different, that we're lacking something. So that's why we should smell different. If the mask is on, you're not able to smell. 
Here's another one. If, you're, if, you're, if your mask is on, you're not able to speak. Women of God, you know I care about the power of our voice. And you guys know that I've been through something this year where my voice wasn't working, and it's getting better, and I feel stronger, and I can almost sing again. Like, almost. I'm so excited about that. I'm still like a tenor, but it's going to come up in Jesus' name. But we have a powerful voice. If we're wearing a mask, our voice is muffled or hindered. Proverbs 18.21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You know I live by that scripture. That we as women of God should be speaking things and giving life to things and changing the atmosphere in our homes and on our jobs in our own personal life. We should be able to say things to ourselves to change the direction of our day. We have the ability, the power to do that. And Mark eleven twenty three and 26 says this. It says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You will have whatever you ask. The word says that whoever says, be removed. Whoever says, be removed. Whoever says, be removed and cast into the sea. Well, you'll get it. But if we have a mask on and we're muffled and we're quiet and we're not able to speak a thing, that mountain will continue to stare us in our face. And we don't want that mountain there anymore. Can I get an amen? So it's woman of God tonight. I even challenge you. There's a mountain in your life. What's a mountain? A mountain can be uh, depression. It can be anger. It can be um, over, overly fatigued. You know, I felt that praying here today that, you know, there's people that are, that the enemy is using you being tired as bondage. You're not tired anymore in Jesus' name. I'm going to say that again. You're not tired anymore in Jesus' name. Stop saying you're tired because you're speaking it. Say, God, I thank you for your supernatural energy. And I'm not talking about sleep because we all need about eight hours. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking over the top, sleeping all day. It's a way that enemy wastes our day. So stop speaking that you're tired. That can be a mountain in your life. Your marriage can be a mountain. Come on. Your marriage can be a mountain. Your kids can be a mountain. Speak to that thing, and it will be changed. So masks do that in our lives. They don't allow us to speak. They don't allow us to smell. They don't allow us to see. So let's look at a story in the Bible where a mask was definitely being worn by a man of God. It's, it's found in John 5 and 6. It's one of my favorite stories, the Pool of Bethesda, because I think it's just such a descriptive story. But we're going to tear down some masks today, okay? And it says this, John 5 and 5. It says, after there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem, now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate was a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Now, I want you to imagine this pool, okay, women of God. It says, in these, in these, around the pool lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, laying paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after stirring the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity of 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he was already been in that condition for a long time, he, Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? 
And the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool, and when the water stirred up, but when I come down, another one sets before me. And Jesus says, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, and he took up his bed and has walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore be said to him who was cured, Is it the Sabbath? It's the Sabbath. It's unlawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man that said it to you, Take up your bed and walk? Verse 13 says, but the one who healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn from a multitude in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him, the man that was healed in the temple, and said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus that made him well. I read the whole story because I just think it's important to read the word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a good story. So here it is, a man wearing obvious masks. And I believe this word of God is going to speak to every woman in this house. It's a man that was laying by the pool, and the first thing he says, Jesus sees him, 38 years sick, and Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? If you've been sick for 38 years, wouldn't that be an obvious desire of your heart? And Jesus knows everything. He knows our thoughts from afar off, right? Right? Here it is, Jesus confronts a man and asks a simple question because obviously there was a struggle going on within him. And he's saying to him, listen, I know you've been in this condition a long time, but do you want to be made well? Here it is, this man had a mask of victimization on. He was wearing a mask of victimization. Listen, I I find it interesting that although Jesus can know the condition that we're in, he'll still ask us very tough questions. Do you want to be healed Or is that mask of being a victim so securely tightened on your face that I can't get to you? I can remember meeting a woman of God at a table, and I'm talking, and believe it or not, I was always a conversationalist to get things started. So we're sitting around a table, and I start asking people their names. One lady said Mary, one lady said Susan, one lady said Julie. This other lady, I said, what's your name? And she begins to tell me this horrible story of severe sexual abuse. I mean, it's terrible. It was, it, was, it was horrible. Detail, who did it, when it happened, started at 4, then again at 8, then again at 12, then a date rape at 16. I mean, just a terrible story. It was horrible. And then she ended it by saying, but you know what? Now I go preaching and teaching, you know, whoever had me to share my testimony, and God has done a great work in my life, and I'm very thankful for what he's done. And I said, okay, great. Now what's your name? She was so caught up. And when it happened to her, that she just missed the whole, what's your name? Her name had become the severe sexual abuse that happened to her year after year after year. And every single one of us in her has a story. I hate the fact that one out of three women were molested. I hate that statistic. I hate that one out of every four were raped at some point. It's horrible, the statistics that come flying our way as women especially. So we all have a story that if we sat down, we could tell, but I would hope that you would not introduce yourself as what you've been through. You are more than what you've been through. Let's give God praise for that. You are not the trauma that traumatized you. You are not a victim, although you are victimized. I'm not taking away from what happened to you, but I want you to take that off today, to take off that mask and stop looking at yourself, seeing the horrible things that might have happened to you. That is not who you are. 
That is just something that happened to you. And you can be delivered and set free in Jesus' name. And the next time the enemy tries to remind you or give you a dream about what happened, you wake up and say, Satan, that is not me. That mask has been removed in Jesus' name. I am no longer living that lie of who I was trying to become. I'm not the rape victim. I'm not the molested little girl. I'm a grown woman who knows Jesus Christ, who loves Jesus Christ, who's been saved by Jesus Christ, who's been delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. I am no longer a victim. Refuse to play the role. Refuse to play the role. Listen, I know what it's like, especially being, you guys know my story. I only share it to you because God's gotten glory from it. But coming from a, a, an abusive home and a, a somewhere where, you know, adultery was committed, it can be easy at times for the enemy to remind you to put that back on. But I have to remind myself, I am not that woman. I'm not 18 little girl anymore. I'm not a 20-year-old girl jumping on cars. That's over. I jump in cars, not on cars. Romans 8, 37, 39 says this, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We are conquerors, women of God. We are, you are more than a conqueror, the word of God says. You are more than a conqueror. A conqueror meaning that you are super victorious. You are strong. That thing might have tried to weaken you, but it is not going to weaken you any longer. You've got the power of God living inside of you. He is an overcomer. And because he is an overcomer, you are an overcomer. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ because you are more than a conqueror. But this man at the pool had on a victimization mask, didn't he? He's laying at the pool, feeling sorry for himself because Jesus says, look, do you want it? And he didn't even answer back. If Jesus asked you, do you want to be well? I think you would say, yes. But this man was full of excuses because the victimization mask was on too tight. Then he switched his mask to the mask of denial. He didn't want to face his issues. John 5 and 7 says, the sick man answered him when Jesus said, you want to be made well. The sick man said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. He has the mask of denial on. Denial, meaning that it's a refusal to accept the truth. Didn't we read the story where it said that there are a whole bunch of people laying around a pool? All kinds of people, not all paralyzed. Some of those sick people could walk. Can I get an Amen. There was all kinds of people laying by the pool. And he says that no man is there to put me in the pool. That's, that's not being honest with yourself. Sometimes we as women of God will be going through situations and we'll say, well, there's no one here that will help me. There's no one that will understand. Listen, there are people that will help you. There's people all around you. Look around right now. Look around right now. There's people all around you. When people tell me after church sometimes, and I love them on, I love them so much, and I pray for them, but they'll say, I'm new in town, and I can't, I don't have any friends, and I'm looking at all the people walking by. And I want to be like, okay, look, where are you from? Detroit. Okay, she's from Detroit. Hey, Detroit, come here. I, I start mixing people up, because I hate that lie of, oh, well, there's nobody here. No, there's people here. There's people all around you. John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Know the truth. I want you, woman of God, to take off the mask of denial. Stop saying that you don't have enough money when the problem is, is that you spend too much money. I'm going to say that again. Stop saying you don't make enough money 
when the truth is you spend too much money. Let's just start there. And I'm talking woman to woman because we can get ourselves in trouble, right? We know what the budget is. We know what it says. We know what our responsibilities are. We know when bills are due. But for some reason, we feel like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. (laughs) And someone should say, again? (laughs) I understand the fair is here. Praise God for the fair. Appreciate it. But sometimes we just, we don't have the fair money. I'm being honest. But then you'll go to the fair and you'll spend $45 on a corn dog. (laughs) Although they're oh so good. And then, then, then wonder where God is and say, I'm a tither, Lord, but an irresponsible tither, irresponsible with the 90%. Okay? Is that good? All right? Don't, don't, don't say, don't say I'm, sick of, I'm sick of having high blood pressure, but you're at Cane's four times a week with the sauce. Is this good talk? Is this good teaching? Is this good? Okay. You know, stop saying that your husband makes you sick. When you are not the best wife. It's all, listen, we're all talking. Okay. It's being, it's being in denial. Let's, let's be, let's stop being in denial. Take the mask off. Take the mask off. Be honest with yourself. Like I told you guys, I'm very transparent. Listen, I went to the doctor. They're like, okay, your stuff's not, you know, my thyroid's out. Praise the Lord. You got to get new stuff in. The medicine's not working. She's like, you got to get this medicine because you're not going to lose any weight until you start taking this medicine, and you probably should diet and exercise. And all I heard was take the medicine. (laughs) Come on, don't we want a quick pill? We want the quick pill. Where's the pill? Where's the shot? Give it to me. So I had, I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, listen, I'm miserable. I don't feel healthy. I don't feel good about where I am in my own personal life. I've got to stop denying this and go to the gym. And then when you're on the machine, does that thing talk to you and tell you to get off? It, I promise you, it says, you know what, Kelly, you've been on here three minutes. You should really get off. And then about 20 minutes, you, you're done. 20 minutes was good. You're actually, there's a bead of sweat developing and I've committed to an hour. I'm going to do an hour. That's what I said. I'm doing an hour every day, except for Sunday. Thank you. Because I can't deny the truth. Amen. Don't you all love me? Maybe when I'm smaller, I'll start walking up the stairs. But until then, <laughs> we're coming from the secret door. All right. You have to face your issues. You have to face your issues. The man at the pool says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool and the water stirred up. No, no, no. You have people all around you. Stop lying about your circumstances and lying about your situations. You have been sick for so long. You've just accepted it as fact, as truth, and you just don't want to get any better. Amen. The mask of isolation. Remember, it says John 5 and 7, he says, um, he says, he gives another excuse. No one's there to put me in the pool, and then while I'm coming, while, okay, remember, he says, no one could put me in the pool. And then he says, but while I'm coming to the pool, lion, right? He's like, but while I'm walking to the pool, uh, other, another one steps down before me. 
and they overlook me and they walk over me and I'm so isolated and I'm by myself and he, this sick man, has built a social barrier in their life. There are women here right now that have a mask on that have stopped social uh, relationships they don't want to, so, there's a social barrier. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to get to know you. I really don't want to know your problems. And you probably don't want to know mine. So let's just keep it simple and just stay out my way. Come on, who's going to admit that? I, I, I really, I really don't want to, when I see you, I see problem. When I see you, I see my time. When I see you, I see you might want some attention. So I'm going to just not worry about you and just go over here. But we need each other. Why do you think I make it a point to bring women together once a month? Women need each other. We can't be isolated. Do you know that if you just spend time talking to a woman of God and getting some good counsel, you will leave feeling lighter and better, and nothing even happened. And, and, let me do, and it wasn't anything spiritual. It was just a conversation. Because iron sharpens iron. When you're talking to another woman of God, what happens is encouragement is coming forth. Enlightenment is coming forth. Joy is coming forth. The word better be coming forth. And as you're talking to each other, you're sharpening each other up. But if you choose to live an isolated life and you feel like everybody's passing you by, you're going to end up being in the same place with the mask of isolation. I'm telling you right now, if you know that's your deal, you're going to pray tonight and say, God, I don't want to be that woman anymore. I don't want to be that woman that comes in the church and automatically looks for the people that aren't looking at me, and then now I'm a victim. Because nobody said hi to me. No one asked me how I was doing. Nobody sat by me. Nobody looks at me. No one. Why? Are you looking at them? Probably not. I look at people all the time. I'll even stare sometimes so they look back. Just stare. Listen, um, you're not by yourself. Not only are people here for you, but Jesus is here for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Please do not think Jesus does not care about your problem, or your sickness, or your disease, or your issue, or your hang-up, or your weird tick, whatever you do. Jesus cares. He cares. I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm burdened down with things of life that there is a God that's actually saying, will you please give that worry to me? Will you please give that thing to me? Will you please cast it? And I love that Jesus makes us cast it to him. He does not take it from us. Have you ever prayed, God, take it from me, take it from me, take it from me? He's like, nope. You want to know why? Do you want to be made well? Because if you want to be made well enough, you will say, uh-uh. This depression's got to go. This worry's got to go. This anxiety's got to go. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm not fearful anymore. Fear has a way of dominating women's lives. Because we want stability. We want to know we're going to be safe. But sometimes in this world, we just don't know where we're going to be. But listen, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. If fear is your issue tonight, and that's the mask you put on because you're fearful, listen, rebuke fear in Jesus' name. You have nothing to be afraid of. There is a God that knows you, that is with you, that will never leave you nor forsake you. He knows your life in from the beginning. He is not surprised by anything you face. He is not surprised by anything you face. Whatever unexpected happened to you, it was not unexpected to Jesus. And if you look at your life, you'll see he was preparing you for it the whole time. Listen, we're not going to have isolation anymore. Tell your neighbor, I'm no longer isolated. 
Tell your other neighbor, I don't know you, but you're my friend. Yeah, find someone if you don't know him. You're my friend. Now on Sunday, go find him and be like, hi, friend. Remember me? <laughs> here's, the, here's my favorite one, the mask of religion. The mask of religion. Okay, listen. The story goes on. Jesus is having a conversation with the man at the pool. The man at the pool puts up his first victimization. No one will pick me up. Then he puts on the denial. Nobody will let me in. And then isolation. Everybody passes me over. I'm all by myself. And then finally, Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And he's like, yes, of course I want to be. Well, he didn't say yes, of course. But after the excuses, he finally was okay. He, he made it down and he was healed. Okay, long story short. Read the story later. He was healed. But it's amazing to me that this man that was around the pool finally healed that the Pharisees or the religion people, the religious people, the people that wore the mask of religion had the nerve to say in John 5 and 10, isn't it the Sabbath? Should you be carrying your bed on the Sabbath? This was the man jacked up by the pool for 38 years. And the religious leaders say, hold on, it is Sunday. And we don't heal on Sundays. <laughs> you are breaking the law. You are working, holding your bet. Religion, religion, religion. I'm glad that we belong to a church that's not religion-based, but relationship-based. <laughs> Praise God. No, really, we should thank God for freedom. Thank you, Jesus. And those that are praising him come from churches that were full of bondage and rules. Wear your skirt long. Cover your arms. No makeup. Put your hair up. No lipstick. No red nail polish. I'm just sitting today. No music. No movies. I know y'all are at R. Kelly Saturday. No music. No movies. You can't see Medea's movie, boo. Hilarious, by the way. All the rules, all the rules, all the rules. And people faking like they're prim and proper and they're just whores, you know. And, and come on, remember the deacon sleeping with everybody. The worship team leaders sleeping with the men and the women, you know. Whatever he felt that week, right, you know. The mask of religion. <laughs> but always at church. Would not miss a Sunday. Come on. Always at church, wouldn't miss a Sunday. And listen, here, here, here's the reasons why Jesus was always against Pharisees, and this is why we still have to be against that pharisaical spirit, a Pharisee, a religious, a self-righteous spirit. You know, um, people that have that spirit, the mask of religion, they're worried about being seen. They won't do anything when no one's looking, but if there's a crowd, boy, give me a broom. If someone's watching, I'm going to go to work because that's where the reward is. Okay, they put heavy burdens upon people of God, Pharisee spirit. Well, you're not doing that right. You're not living right. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. You need to seek God more. Do you realize it's already been done? Listen, I'm going to say this. We should pray and fast and seek the Lord, but there's nothing we can do that's going to make God love us more. There, there's nothing that we can do that's going to make the blood more effective. There's nothing we can do that's going to make the resurrected Christ have to be resurrected again. It's done. Remember he said it is finished? The work of the cross is over. We do things for Jesus because we love Jesus. We cannot earn love from Jesus. Okay? We cannot earn it. 
And that's a freedom in that because that scares people because that means, well, maybe I won't do it. I do things for God because I love him, not because I'm afraid of him. I used to, though, when I belonged to a church with heavy burdens, I thought if I did more, if I sang more, if I did this more, I'd be at the altar weeping, hoping maybe that God would love me. Maybe he would forgive me. But then I realized he already has. That's a whole other teaching. People with the Pharisee spirit, Pharisee spirit always seek the best seats. Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> they neglect the important issues and only worry about the minor things. How about this? I don't know, you know, my, my, my sister got saved. She finally got saved, but she moved in with her boyfriend. Okay, but she got saved. I know, but now she's living with her boyfriend. Okay, but she's saved. I know, but she's living with her boyfriend. And as hard as that is, sometimes we have to worry about, I'm not going to become a Pharisee and start worrying about their private life. I have to believe that because she saved, the Holy Spirit in her is going to begin to convict her and, and touch her heart and let her see how she's living is wrong. Pastor says it all the time, we're not sin monitors. You want to know why? Because we're not going to have that kind of spirit in this house. Because when we start looking for sin in you, you will definitely find the sin in me. Amen. And then I tell you all my sin all the time anyway, so there it is. <laughs> Claiming righteousness with God but while opposing his will. Pharisee spirit. Fair. Oh, I'm not going to use that example. I'm going to move on from that. Praise the Lord. Taking away the key of knowledge. When someone comes to you and says, you know what, I just really feel burdened down. I, feel, I made a mistake. I, I, got a, I, I talked to a woman of God a few weeks ago that called and said, I'm so sad I made a mistake. I slipped. I fell. I feel terrible about it. And I'm just condemned. And I just can't even get it out of my spirit. And, and this is someone that has done this about ten times. Same pattern of life. But you know what I say? You are not condemned. The spirit of God still lives inside of you. You made a mistake, it's all right, tell God you're forgiven. Now say it right now, say, God, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, okay, and you are forgiven, and, and you are healed in, in Jesus' name, and you're not a condemned building, you are a livable building. The Holy Spirit still lives on the inside of you. I could be like, well, I'm righteous, and, you, and I would never do that. Well, come on, That's, we're not going to live like that. The mask of religion, the mask of religion. How many of us have that? or going to admit that, sometimes we feel a little higher than we should. And then God has a way of knocking you right on back down. Isn't that funny? You don't tell anybody, but you got knocked all the way down. Now you're just real quiet when people do stuff. You're like, oh, wow. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. This is the worst part about the Pharisee spirit or the mask of religion. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. These people draw near to me with their mouths. Honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching doctrines as the commandments of men. People that draw near with their mouth. I love the Lord. I praise the Lord. I love Jesus. He, he's a good God. But the heart is so far away that there is no connection. There is no relationship. There is no kind of compassion for anybody because the heart is evil and wicked on the inside. The heart is judgmental. But their mouths praise him but the heart is far from him, a Pharisee spirit. Isn't that what they did when they saw the man? He's healed. And they're worried about him carrying the bed. These are the leaders. We praise the Lord, but the heart's so nasty, they can't even see the miracle of what happened. 
And then, of course, the mask of madness, a mask of madness. You know, woman of God, you, we will live an emotionally stable life. I'm going to say that again. We will live an emotionally stable life. Third time for confirmation. We will live an emotionally stable life. Isn't it amazing how the man that was healed didn't know he healed him, but he's found in church, which I love that part. Because when Jesus heals you, you should not run from church. You should run to church. And this man was healed and actually was found in church and saw Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, I'm glad you're healed. Do me a favor. Now that you've been made well, sin no more. Lest a worse thing come upon you. I love that Jesus gives instructions. When God does something in our lives, women of God, when God touches us or heals us or delivers us, there should be some instructions attached that we should try to withdraw from that lifestyle, make some changes, and not go back to doing it. Because here's the warning. Something worse can come upon you. Not that God does something worse to you. You put yourself in a worse condition, in a worse situation. And you know why it's worse? Because you feel horrible when you go back and do what you said you'd never do again. And now you're feeling bad and guilty. And there's more shame you have to bust through and more guilt you have to bust through. And some people never even make it. So Jesus says, get away from there. Sin no more. Now that you've been made free, live an emotionally stable life. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. Know that he has delivered you and that he healed you. Know that you're no longer that person on the side of the road being ignored, being isolated, being overlooked. You're not that woman of God anymore. You are not that victim anymore. Do you realize that Satan loves to talk you out of your salvation and talk you out of your deliverance and talk you out of your new conformed life? And the devil's saying you're still that person and you have to tell the devil you are a lie. I am not that unstable woman anymore. I am a strong, stable woman of God. I am not crazy. I am not insane. I am stable in Jesus. We have to make sure that we, we do that. We have to understand that, listen, now to him who keeps us from falling. Jesus keeps us from falling. You're not going to fall back into that same trap. Jesus is going to stop you from falling. The word of God tells us this in Jude one twenty four. Now unto him who is able to keep him from falling and to present yourself false, uh, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You're faultless. You're faultless. When you believe that there are no faults in you between God, your emotions line up. Because, woman, don't we want to be loved? Don't we want to be accepted? Don't we want to be held by a mighty king? Don't we want to be told that we're beautiful and that we're outstanding? And when you live a life of saying, God, I believe your word over how I feel, your emotions pan out and you're no longer on the side of the road saying nobody's here for me and nobody's going to ever help me and I'm going to be sick for 38 years. So we're not going to hide behind those masks anymore. I'm going to say it again. We're not going to hide behind those masks anymore. We're not going to hide. We're not, we're, amen. We're no longer hiding. Isolation has been destroyed in Jesus' name. You are not your trauma in Jesus' name. No longer are you going to associate who you are with what you've done or what you've been through. You are not in denial. We're going to handle things better, right? And you're not religious. 
We understand that if it were not for Jesus Christ, we would have nothing worth any value. And the only reason why we have a drop of holiness in us is because of Jesus Christ. Never build yourself up and think that you've arrived to some religious arena because you've memorized three scriptures. Please know that there's always a constant battle to be won between you and your flesh. You are not emotionally unstable any longer. You're not going to know that God healed you and then go back and do it again. That's an unstable person. You know you were healed, you go back and do it again. You know you were healed, you go back and do it again. You're driven by your emotions. We're going to be stable in Jesus' name. You know, I'm just feeling led by the Spirit right now that there may be somebody in here that their mask that they put on a shame, specifically for abortion. Shame comes up. Shame just, it just, you, you try to push past it. You think that it's over. You, you, you know God's forgiven you. But every now and again, that shame, that the enemy says, pick it up. How dare you, Satan says. You took a life. And somebody here might have not even known Jesus Christ. It was in their past life. It had nothing to do. Listen, we've all done things that are mistaken, mistakes. But there should be no more shame attached to your life. So we're all going to close our hands and pray. Or sorry, close our eyes. If that's you, you can just raise your hand up. No one can see because everybody's eyes is closed. If you don't want to raise your hand up, I understand. But as I see tears falling in this place, Father, I thank you that the mask of shame is being removed right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven that woman of God for the mistake she made. And Father, I thank you that any time a whisper comes up, a hint, a dream, a memory, God shield it from her in the name of Jesus. Father, allow her to see the truth of your love. And God, allow her to feel the warmth of your forgiveness. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah.